So speaking about phones, speaking about scams, and also speaking about COVID, because all these uh, situations arise uh, during the COVID period, do you guys hear about the news about um, the iPhones being stolen from Apple stores, about uh, Gucci, Prada, and all the luxury stores in, in the US, they were rioting, you know, and then they broke into all the stores, the stores and stole all the products. Do you guys hear about all this? Yeah. Uh... I only heard of China open a Hermes a store or something and everyone rushed to go and buy, but I haven't heard of stolen, stealing Gucci bags. That's weird. Yeah, so Dex, you said yes, right? You, you are aware of this? Yeah, you mean stealing Gucci bags? I know. Uh, the recent case, you know, there was a, a racist incident. There was an ongoing riot and then uh, people were storming the streets. They were smashing all the glass, uh, you know, of the shops and they were stealing Apple iPhones. They were sto- uh, stealing and looting every single store, convenience store. Yeah, uh, so they were stealing everything. They're, they're stealing, especially iPhones. And then now the iPhones all cannot be used. It's all being uh, locked and tracked. So end up all these people have to return the phones back to the stores <laughs> if they don't want to get in trouble with the police. Yeah, so uh, let me share this with uh, Sarah. So uh, it, it seems like you didn't hear about this news, but basically there was a huge rioting in the US and then everyone took to the streets. They were vandalism, smashing things, smashing all the glasses of the shops. And they're going to just smash the glass shops of uh, even luxury brands like Gucci, Prada, LV, all this. And then they go in, just take all the expensive bags, the shoes and everything, or just walk out. No one can, can stop. The police force also wasn't enough to stop everybody, you know. And I saw a recent Facebook video. Uh, these uh, looters are very tatan, you know. They're very daring. Eh. They go and set up shop like Pasamalam along the streets, uh, put mat on the floor. Uh. Then they put all the different Gucci, Balenciaga, everything all on the floor to let passerby to buy at low price. Wow. <laughs> Imagine you got a good deal. Eh. But of course, it's illegal. Yeah, yeah but they will get caught sooner or later. So mm. You won't be able to last long. But yeah. for the Apple iPhones one, uh, the Apple itself already released a statement uh, showing that and also stating that anyone who continues to hold on to the stolen iPhones will be prosecuted. They go after them because Apple also admitted it is tracking the phones, you know. It knows where, it knows yeah. where all the phones so are. So now you know what kind of power Apple has over you when you're an Apple user. They can track I, you anytime they want. Let's are say, you Apple users? Yeah, <laughs> I, I am, I am. Yeah, uh, I have both. Like, I got, so I have I, iPhone and Android phone and both. I also, like let's say Google, Google is also definitely tracking you all the time and it's, be, it's always submitting back your lo- previous locations where you have visited back to their servers. Uh. So on, on those screens uh, for the iPhones that were stolen, uh, uh, you can visit our blog article. It will be shown in the show notes below. That, there you can see the screenshot that people take. On the phone screen, it writes, please return to Apple Walnut Street. This device has been disabled and is being tracked. Local authorities will be alerted. So you just put in your SIM card or you connect to Wi-Fi. Uh, Apple already has access to the phone and can show this message and knows where you are. So that's why you can't use these phones, unfortunately. Yes, and the moment you put in your SIM card and the SIM card is registered to your name, they can trace who you are already. That is how much uh, how much trackings is involved nowadays. That you, you won't be able to escape if you especially use a SIM card registered to your name. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. they will come after you for the phones. I think the, the worst case uh, is not 
uh, that uh, you know that is a looted phone eh, is that you don't know eh. Imagine in the carousel version of Craigslist, uh, of you in US they use Craigslist, you buy a second hand phone, wow, brand new in box, iPhone 11, uh, very low price, you know, cheaper than market price, you happily go and buy it. Then when you activate the phone for the first time, you see this message, please return to Apple Walnut Street. This phone has been, you know, disabled. <laughs> I think you cry. Eh. Oh no, I cannot scam. Yeah, looted yeah. phone. Yeah. So Dex, also you shared with me a, a, a some funny incident recently, right? You say someone didn't want to loot the stores, then they were waiting outside, ask people steal for them and pass money. Yeah, so they a lot of people were just outside the store and trying to buy things directly off people who have looted. <laughs> they never even bothered to go into loot. So that's funny. Imagine during the rioting, people smashing glasses, going and stealing everything. You don't want to be implicated fully per se. Yeah. You wait outside, you shout to the guy, hey, pass me a Nike Air Jordans. I, I give you $50. He yeah, throw the like, shoe to you. The guy was <laughs> yeah. just waving $50, $100, like, hey, give me this, give me that. Uh, I give you money for it. <laughs> but actually, I have a question for Dexter. Eh? So, yeah. for example, right, you, uh, I think uh, Andy has mentioned, right, Apple has released a statement that it will be uh, tracking the phones, right? So, yeah. it's a permanent tracker or like, you know, is there like a time frame? You know, some people can keep like for six months, then after that, will it still be tracking? <laughs> The the phone is definitely forever tracking yeah, you. Forever. Just think, why, why just, stop? just think as your smartphone is a GPS tracking device on you. Yeah. What, yeah, what reason? Got, yeah. Well, there will be no reason whereby they want to stop tracking you, ma. You can set all the settings you want. Uh, don't for, don't track me when I'm not using the app or this kind of thing. But in the end, to an extent, there's still always background. There's still yeah. data analytics sending back to them. So, yeah. Yeah. And. People already agree to the terms and conditions to this because of find my phone feature. Oh my god. <laughs> In exchange for find my phone feature, you, you have to let them track you. Yeah. That's so scary. So just imagine, I mean, there are also cases where let's say an employee turn rogue. Let's say an Apple employee or Google employee suddenly become like not happy with Apple. He, he goes into a start accessing people's data. That, that is definitely possible as well. Trackable? Yeah, they, they definitely will be able to go into to, to track people's stuff. What I, know is, yeah. mm. what I know is most of the MNC companies, right, uh, for the company phone, right, there's at one stage they change from uh, Android to all iPhones. Yeah, I'm not sure whether all MNC, but I think most of MNC should be using iPhone. No, yeah. la, there's there's a lot. So these are called corporate phones. So there's yeah, even like no, there's Nokia, there's uh, Samsung. All of them are also corporate mm. phone suppliers. So they, they will give a bulk discount. Yeah. Mm. And, and also for these corporate phones, uh, they some of these already are based on the volume. Like I need volume, of course, bigger MNCs. But some of these corporate phones also come pre-installed with certain tracking and monitoring software, you know, especially for the employees to use. What about the recent ransomware attack? Do you guys hear about it? That happened to Honda, Honda the car maker. Is we I was the one who actually posted that in, in our blog. So what I wrote is uh there's now definitely a rise in ransomwares again, especially this COVID-19. There's even like COVID-19 ransomwares, hospitals, governments are all getting attacked by ransomwares. Uh so Dexter, for the benefit of our listeners who may not fully understand the term ransomware, can you explain what does ransomware do and why is it malicious or dangerous? I think the most popular ransomware that hit the world by storm would be the WannaCry ransomware that happened probably in 2016, 2017. Mm. That was the 
tipping point where everybody start to worry about cybersecurity, where all the government computers, even ATM machines, 7-Elevens, some airports, all their computer systems were locked by this WannaCry ransomware where they cannot even use basic functions of their computer, cannot even browse internet properly, cannot open their files. Everything has been locked down and they will ask you in exchange, please transfer Bitcoins to this particular wallet stated in the software. Once you transfer already, we will unlock your computer. We give you the encryption, decryption key to decrypt all your files. That's what ransomware is. Yeah, yeah. and Dexter, I, I believe uh, NTHack has served several clients that has uh, that got affected by ransomware previously, right? Yeah, so there was one fan supplier, those like, you all know what fan, those ceiling fan supplier yeah. for houses, yeah. Mm. So they actually have a server that backs up all their computer files of and even like invoices, their accounting software, all is backed up onto this local server on inside their office. And then they have a backup hard disk that backs up the files as well. But guess what? The ransomware attacked the server as well as it went inside the, the backup hard disk as well. So all their files got wiped out for the 10 years of, of files that they were keeping for invoices and all their Excel files, all the important company files supplier invoices, everything were all encrypted. So yeah. there was no way to, to get it back. Because not every ransomware is, you, you will be able to decrypt it without paying. And we don't condone going, going to pay. If not, you, anybody who go and pay the ransom, you will be like encouraging more ransomwares to attack because it's effective if people keep continue paying. So a lot of government and hospitals actually paid ransom to the water cry virus last time it was a big news big hoo-ha yeah. yeah there was a period whereby there was a string of ransomware attacks you know city after city after country after companies yeah yeah so uh, again the as the word suggests ransomware it means ransom plus software so just think of it as if you can uh, ransomware or if your computer systems get affected by ransomware it means you can this software that you have to pay ransom if not you cannot do anything so normally the hackers will also ask you to pay them in Bitcoin, whereby it's more untraceable. Then once they receive the Bitcoins, uh, can be even hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on how big your company is. You pay them this ransom, and then they will give you the, like Dexter mentioned, a decryption key. Basically, they allow you back access to all your, your documents, your accounting, your computers. They can lock down your whole computer. They can delete all the file. They have control over all your files, basically. So it's very, very scary. It can put a stop to any business. Yeah, so there's actually even new ransomware attacks where it will auto-spread among Windows devices. You don't even need to open or double-click any files. Once it hits inside your network, one person gets infected, it will infect the rest that is inside your network, in your office. Yeah, and we are just talking about business that their operations got stopped because they do not have access to their files you know, needed to, to work. But ransomware can also affect uh, any organization or any uh business what about critical infrastructures like power plants like you know the water supply government agencies so all these also use computer to communicate you know they have emails they, they can be sent a malicious link someone is not aware they click on it from that one computer spread to the whole organization whole organization is down yeah so, so that's why cyber hygiene you know data protection is uh, awareness and training is very very important yeah. So actually our data protection software that we were selling for $5 a month, if you upgrade and 
and click the, I mean, get the add-on from us for auto backup, it will actually prevent what happened to that, that, uh, that fan supplier. The fan supplier's on-site server was uh, infected by ransomware as well as the backup files. Whereas ours, we backup to AWS and your backup files will not get affected with ransomware if your Windows computer get infected. That's how we prevent and also help with ransomware attacks with our data protection software. Yeah, I, I've... The Go AWS ahead. is uh, called the Amazon Web Service, right? Yeah, Amazon Service, yeah. So because they are they are quite cheap for backing up all your company files. So we actually help you encrypt and back up back it up there automatically. So you don't even need to you don't even need to do manual backup. So let's say because now a lot of things are manually backed up and if let's say you forgot to do a backup and then your computer get ransomware, you you will lose your files. Because a lot of the physical backups are also getting hit by ransomware. Whereas ours we do cloud backup. It, the ransomware will not be able to attack the our AWS server that we have backed up to. Yeah. Yeah. So for anti-hex <clears throat> uh, data protection software, it's only what five dollars per month per computer. Yeah. yeah. And there's also an add-on for ransomware protection. Yeah. So even if the whole organization, all your files get encrypted, you you know you don't die there don't want to pay that uh, ransom, which we also don't condone you paying. You can then do a quick recovery to get to get back all your unencrypted files back working in all your devices. So that's something uh, that we highly suggest that businesses can consider. Yep. And also, just to quickly add on, that ransomware normally what kind of targets that they like to target is those industries or those businesses that operate on a day-to-day basis that they cannot even afford to stop one hour of their operations. Yeah. Uh, for example, factories. You know, factory 24-7 of the production lines running, right? If they gonna ransomware, Imagine production line stops, they're losing money every minute. So normally these companies or businesses are the ones that are more likely to really consider should they quickly uh, uh, pay off this ransom to resume operations or, or should they not. But also because in these kind of traditional or legacy businesses, there's a huge gap between their, uh, the latest technologies or protections and the current or the existing you know, 10-20 years machinery that some is not even uh, you know updated in a long time. So these are the companies that are always the favorite targets for hackers for ransomware. Yeah, so yeah, critical infrastructure such as like the health in healthcare industry. So normally in hospitals, the X-ray machine, the ICO machine, all these cannot be done. But it's actually a lot of cases where the all these are getting infected by ransomware. Imagine your X-ray machine get infected by ransomware. All these machines cannot be used. Yeah, so the hospital is definitely not able to treat the patients who are going there for x-ray, getting their x-ray scanned. Right, yeah. uh, x-ray still okay. Maybe they go in, the malware go and make the x-ray machine, the, the x-ray or gamma ray more stronger, you become the hawk. I, I don't know. Lah. But then the more scary part uh, is, you know, now got COVID, then those people on life support system got the tube going inside the nose and the compressor machine, right? Give her the oxygen. That's yeah. how they're surviving. Imagine the ransomware going uh, affect those machines. Uh, then literally people will start dying because the machines cannot provide the oxygen to them. Yeah, so like the ICU machines, they, they just go there and then disable your ICU machines. Mm. That will be, that will be bad. So yeah, so all this ransomware, all this hacking that we've just mentioned, the data protection is also one consideration because hackers, other than, you know, uh, holding you ransom to get your data, they also would already have access to your systems and they will try to steal all the personal data. They can sell it on the black market and, and make a good profit out of it. 
in our previous podcast episodes, we covered a few, uh, I think it was the last week, right? Dexter, last week. Yep. Yeah. We, we covered uh, uh, a lot of databases on the dark net. We're already selling, you know, uh, Tokopedia information got hacked and uh, other learning, you know, schools and, and all. Where personal data in the thousands were leaked online and can be easily bought. Just five thousand dollars, two thousand five. You can buy literally hundreds yeah. and thousands of personal data. A lot of people forget ransomware actually also does take a copy of your files with mm. with the 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 person who created ransomware. He actually takes a copy of everybody's files and sends some to some server that they have created. Yeah. Yeah. So when just in case you are so unfortunate that you your your company gets ransomware. There's two things that you don't forget that not only you have to think whether you're going to pay the ransom or to get everything in place to try to restart back your systems and whatnot. But the moment you settle this issue, the next thing that's coming to your door is the penalty from government because, you know, you got data breach. So regardless, you get, you they, they are very, you know, they can pity you and everything. Yeah, we know you cannot ransomware everything, but unfortunately, you breach personal data, we still have to penal, uh, penalize you for it. You ask, another... ask Sarah whether she, she, she got any experiences with ransomware attacks. I don't have any experience with ransomware attacks, but the but one thing that is very interesting, right, is um, you said that right, the business owners now uh business has to like take note of this data protection, right? Yeah. So is mm. government actually going to go around to scan through and audit that every companies has this? You know how do they know that there is a data breach? They go yes. and uh search so... on the ransomware uh nope. portal. You, this company is hacked. Andy, Andy now can share about DPO, about yeah. the DPO laws and PDPA laws. Yeah. Okay, very good question. I, I love that question. So, uh, Sarah, you're asking, how does the government know that uh, a company has a data breach, correct? So, they, they don't go, the government definitely will not go to every single organization. Let's talk, let's talk about Singapore only, for example. The government will not have the resources to go every company to audit, audit, audit. But, okay, the PDPA, the Personal Data Protection Act, is a mandatory data protection law in Singapore. Every organization in Singapore, big, small, SME, so prop, private limited, even non-for-profit organizations have to comply. You must have a data protection officer. And how does the PDPC, which is the Personal Data Protection Committee, is aware? And how do they know that, oh, you got data breach, we're coming in to investigate, we're going to fine you financially? It's because the PDPA is a complaints-based regime. You wouldn't be surprised, right? You know, Singapore, they say, like to complain, like to storm. So yeah, the PDPA is actually a complaints-based regime. Who will want to complain you? Okay, well, first can be a customer. Maybe a errant customer, a disgruntled customer is not satisfied or not happy with how you govern his personal data. You just need to make one complaint to PDPC, go to their website, fill out the form, boom. PDPC comes in, investigate you. Second can be an employee. Maybe the employee sees the HR or the finance anyhow, you know, uh, don't bother keeping all the personal data of the own employees uh, properly. Or lastly, can be competitor. Competitor want to give you trouble, they just have to compare the PDBC and say, I don't think this ABC company has a data protection officer. I don't think they are properly governing. They have no policies, no nothing. Please go and investigate. PDPC is obligated to investigate every single complaint. Of course, there must be some facts justifying it. Lah. Then they come in. So yeah, it's very scary. Anyone can just complain. PDBC will find out whether you have or not. And to be honest, we have spoken to so many business owners. We have uh, all our clients on board. Okay, uh, We realized that a rather large amount of uh, businesses in Singapore, especially SMEs, don't have the resources to you know, properly govern it on their own. 
they don't have the knowledge to even know where to begin. So that's why we, uh, at the first step, we provide training. We make them aware what is their obligations. Secondly, we're going for audit. Okay, we flip table and everything. Of course, figure of speech. Going clean house, we tell them this cannot be done. You have to change this. That one is a gap to this security risk assessment, so on and so forth. And then we give them a report and we work from that report to make sure they're compliant. It takes some time, okay? And actually, at step number one uh, is, did you know that in Singapore, every single organization must have a data protection officer? When we ask this question, uh, a lot of people actually scratch it. What is a DPO? So the moment I ask you this question, and if you don't even know what is a DPO, it means most probably your company doesn't have a DPO. Because under the law, again, you must make known your DPO to all your employees. They must know who to report to, who is the DPO, who handles and governs personal data in the company. And I'll just share a few tips with anyone, okay? Uh, because this is also publicly available information. So last time to register your data protection officer, okay, you have to register with PDPC. But now, as of about two, three weeks ago, they changed the registration. Now businesses have to register on AFCRA itself. Okay, business owners or the director has to use CodePass, go into Accra Biz file and register the data protection officer. His full name, email, and contact number will be shown. And anyone can go to Accra, don't have to log in, can just go and key in the company name, key, uh, and then uh, click on the function for view data protection officer. So it's a new function. Uh. So anyone go to Accra, key in ABC Power Limited, they can see whether the guy got data protection officer or not. And imagine your competitor, nothing better to do, want to give you trouble. He just go to PDPC and say, hey, this company never registered DPO in Accra. I think they don't have DPO. Eh. You know, then, PDPC will come and investigate who's your DPO, when do you engage him, do you have your contracts in place, how long has he been doing, what are your policies, everything. There's, there's no way to backtrack and, you know, furbish all the proof. So, yeah, that's how one way that competitors can, you know, arrow another competitor. Maybe you can do some uh, screen sharing. You show her where she can take a look at all the, the latest cases of uh, what PDPC is finding people for data breaches. Okay. I have additional question for this. Okay, yeah. so what about, you know, you now we are talking about local contacts, right? The actions yeah. that the government take. How about, let's say, a company has a, um overseas uh operations okay will that also apply for their local contacts or it's just on specific uh continents in the world okay so if you have an organization in singapore incorporated be business or private limited partnership whatever okay you must have a data protection officer and you must comply to the full pdp obligations as long as you even collect personal data or you use personal data okay so this personal data must stay in singapore and if you have to send or disclose this personal data overseas. It can be your sister company, okay, office overseas. It can be a supplier, okay, or it can be a last mile service uh, provider. You must make sure that that receiving country, uh, the level of data protection must be equivalent to Singapore's PDPA or higher. If that country don't have, then you must legally bind them to a contract to say that they're taking, they must disclose how they're taking care of the personal data, how they protect the personal data. So in case any breach happens, uh, even overseas, but the personal data was collected uh, in Singapore and disclosed to them, PDPC investigates, you can at least show this, you know, I'm ensuring I do my due diligence. This company is also taking care of the data, but unfortunately still, uh, you know, still gets data breach. Did I answer your question? 
So what what if I'm like, for example, okay, uh, I started a business in California or Silicon Valley that is so easy to set up a business mm. there, right? But, mm. uh, you know, uh, I'm not a local there, but I have data of uh, Singaporeans, okay? And also the California. So both have to comply to the same same kind of uh, localized context DPO or only based on Singaporeans' context? Uh, it depends on where your company was incorporated. If you're incorporated in, let's say, you mentioned California, then... In the U.S. is special. Different cities, there are federal and state laws as well. So you have to find out exactly where your company is incorporated. The respective laws uh, may supersede or override each other or work in combination. So if you have a Singaporean's personal data there, but you collect the personal data from there, maybe you have a website. So your, your privacy policy and how you use and disclose must clearly be made known to the Singaporean. When he access your site, he agree, he agree, he agree. You collect his data, it's fine. How about, let's say I'm not a business owner, I'm a freelancer, I own a website and collect people's data. Do I also need to be a DPO myself? Okay, so if you are a freelancer, so you most probably will be a sole proprietor, correct? Self-employed. Mm -hmm. So as long as there's a business element to it, you have to comply to the PDPA. That's why I mentioned sole prop, one-man show, also must have DPO. Normally, they will appoint themselves or you can outsource to us. So, Privacy Ninja, we also offer this subscription, yearly subscription service called DPO as a service. So, annually, you pay for a very affordable price that's even less than you pay one employee's one month salary. Yeah, so we are charging 2.5K per year, a one time fee per year, which is even less than the median salary of you know Singapore employees. And we cover you, we take on the DPO obliga uh, operational uh, obligations for you, for your company. So, yeah. Privacy Ninja is the designated DPO for quite a number of companies out there. So actually, freelancer has to also take note, like let's say, or even influencer or blogger, when they run like ads on their blogs, run all these uh, that is collecting personal data, they have to also uh, know of DPO or register as a DPO or subscribe, uh, pay someone to, you know, pay a, pay a, an organization like Antic Hack or Privacy Ninja to kind of take care on this, this part, right? Uh, yes, so first you have to be very sure when you mention influencer, okay, you mentioned let's say a celebrity or, or whatever, are they running a business or not? Is there a, uh, is there a brand but behind it there's a company or they are working uh, in a personal or domestic capacity? So PDPA doesn't govern an individual, uh, go and collect personal data, disclose it, uh, PDPA won't come after you. This will be a civil case. The person who is angry that, hey, why you collect my personal data and disclose without me uh, you know, agreeing, uh, he go after you uh, via the law. Uh. But PDPA doesn't cover anyone uh, that is working on their own personal capacity. Must be a business or organization, mm. I mean, organization, yeah. So with an entity name, la, basically. Yeah, but okay. not, entity only refers to private limited. La. You can have partnership, sole prop also, mm. all must comply, yes. Also for non-profit organization? Yes, not for profit, uh, not for profit, voluntary welfare organizations. As long as you're an uh, incorporated uh, organization in Singapore, a business, you collect personal data, you have to comply. That's very, very interesting. I thought it also happens for like freelancer. Okay, then I'm not very big concern now. Okay. So, yeah, for businesses that uh, if after hearing this, then you actually are now aware that, you know, you, you know you don't have a data protection officer or you haven't heard of the word PDPA before, do Google on it or do visit our site, uh, www.privacy.com.ag. Very simple to remember. You'll be in the show notes as well. Okay, uh, you can read what a PDPA is about. We have a lot of resource articles over there. And then if you want if you want to have any questions or clarifications, feel free to contact us 
no obligations. Happy to always provide education and awareness. Anything from uh, Dexter? Nope, there's nothing. So that's it. Thank you, uh, Dexter, from uh, NTHEC and Sarah uh, for joining us today in this uh, podcast. To all listeners out there, if what we shared with you today is beneficial or you find entertaining or interesting, please feel free to like, subscribe, and share our videos. Thanks, Dex. Thank Thank you, Sarah, for joining. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, that's the end of our podcast. Do stay tuned next week again for the next episode.